0: I need to go to work in a few hours. Naturally, I can't sleep, so why wouldn't I just sit here and talk at my phone and get this week's podcast recorded? Uh, In figuring out what to do for the final three weeks of September and for the final three episodes of this podcast for the foreseeable future, I've decided to do a few omnibus episodes with books in a similar vein. And this week, we go to the visual word Graphic novels. I've recommended a few over the last two years. Here are the ones that I have not gotten to. So this is the Brother Trucker Book Club podcast, episode 121, A Thousand Words. Ready and... You, dear listener, can now become a patron of Dread Pennies my independent creative company wherein I do all of my art, books, podcasts, and more. Check out patreon.com slash dreadpennies. Alright, so with this first one, I'm going to pick you up just to let you down. This is a series that I heard about ten years ago this summer, probably on Amazon. I don't quite remember how I came across it. It is called Sons of Liberty. By Joseph and Alexander Lagos, there were a couple of other contributors based on you know who did the art and who did the coloring and so forth. but the Lagos brothers were the ones who wrote it. Uh, this was a a book that got how to describe it. They didn't try to do the whole fit in stand out, be big, focus local, you know trying to you know have it both ways. They got published with Random House which was a big deal for you know a graphic novel. Unfortunately, it just didn't seem to take off. Uh, I've got some theories as to why. If you guys follow my YouTube channel, I posted a video about this and another series that I'm also gonna cover on this episode. Um, it was almost a little bit ahead of its time in the sense that uh, multicultural books or diverse books, I guess you would say, are getting a lot of hype now that they weren't getting 10 years ago. Um, and on the flip side of that coin, it was a very you know patriotic American Revolution-themed book which was getting a lot of downplay in the publishing industry 10 years ago because they didn't want to be seen as giving favorable coverage to anything that aligned politically with the Tea Party movement. This was only two years into the Obama administration. so. I think there were some factors outside of the creator's control that worked against them, unfortunately. And uh, that led to probably sluggish marketing, which ultimately led to sluggish sales, which in the end led to the cancellation of the series. So I'm going to tell you about these two books. It was supposed to be four. The third one, unfortunately, never got published, and I eventually gave up hope that it would, which really, really sucks because, well, let me tell you, the main two characters of this book are escaped slaves in the 1770s. Uh, two young men named Graham and Brody. Obviously, you can see why this one stood out to me uh, when I first read the description. A, the title was cool. B, the cover art was amazing. C, I read the description and I'm like, there just aren't enough Grahams in fiction that I can personally you know, relate to and identify with, You know, even though a whole bunch of the other Uh, Character markers for this guy were very different from myself. But Graham and Brody are escaped slaves, and they are kind of captured slash found by Benjamin Franklin's highly unethical SOB son, who does some experiments on them with technology that is fun to imagine Benjamin Franklin having just because... You know, he was an 18th century inventor, so, you know, for the sake of a sci-fi type story, why not dress it up a little bit? Um, he, these experiments leave Graham and Brody with superpowers. Um, They're able to kind of enter an elevated, heightened state. Uh, You know, their eyes light up and they can get stronger, faster. They can, you know, fight 20 guys. They have crazy endurance. And, uh the The next bit of the first story and into the second, is them trying to decide what to do with those powers. Um, in a sense, it's kind of a Professor X and Magneto discussion, which um, coincidentally enough, was mirroring the methodology of Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, where one of them said, you know, hey, we've got these abilities, we should you know, push for peaceful change, whereas the other one said, we have these abilities, we should start beating the crap out of the people who have oppressed us. Graham and Brody's argument is a little bit more uh, smaller scale. You know, Brody wants to figure out how to make a good home for himself going forward in the, you know, in what is soon to be the United States, whereas Graham wants to go back to Africa. And there are forces and developments in the story in these first two books that uh, affect their decision-making. Like I said, unfortunately, I didn't get to find out how the story ended because it got canceled. But I still look at these first two books on my shelf and read through them from time to time and just think, you know, what if? The thing that especially frustrates me as a fan of Washington Irving is that in the third book, There was some sample art released ahead of time and there was this gorgeous nighttime shot, full moon picture, all that stuff of Graham and Brody in their heightened superpowered state wearing their buff wool coats and their tricorn hats doing battle with the Headless Horseman, which is 1000% up my alley. And the cancellation of the series deprived me of owning that in a gorgeous full color hardcover graphic novel in my personal library. Uh, I got the chance to reach out to the Lagos Brothers and do interviews with them on my old blog for the first two books. And uh, I'm thinking now if I can dig through my emails, I should be able to find those and repost them on dreadpennies.com. But unfortunately, um, they kind of stopped responding to my emails when when the the rest of the series got canceled and they haven't published anything since. Uh, one of the guys who worked on it, Jason Mikulski, is a guy that I've been able to k- keep in touch with. He's gone on to do some other projects, and uh, it's been cool to see you know, the work continue in some form, not necessarily with that series. But uh, if you can grab a copy from your library or find a used copy on Amazon, check out The Sons of Liberty by the Lagos Brothers. Next one is The Midnight Society. Uh, not to be confused with the 90s TV show, Are You Afraid of the Dark?, this one's by creator drew Edward Johnson who I believe is the writer and the artist and uh definitely go check out that video on the Dread Penny's YouTube channel covering um, you know this series because the artwork is just stupendous um, you know these professors they have this technology that they they use to uh kind of shrink down and go and enter the the world of the fairy which is on a smaller scale than our own and uh capture a fairy and bring her back to, you know, the human world, human sized. And she ends up becoming a special operative for this group that kind of mitigates activities between the human world and the fairy world. And uh, the the first book centers on um, you know, dealing with something very Loch Ness-like in, in a lake and um, I don't want to give away too much just because price of discovery, you guys know I'm big on that. Um, but the story is great and the artwork matches it or, and even surpasses it. And uh, I really want to hype this one up because Drew Elder Johnson has only so far done one in this series and he's been uh, hinting on Facebook that he's getting ready to do another. So I'm hoping that in, even with my limited sp- sphere of influence, if I can you know, give some kind of boost or uptick in sales that would, justify that from a marketing standpoint, uh, it would be worth it. Another series that I did a YouTube video of this about three years ago with my crappy laptop camera, so it's probably pixelated and very low quality. But this is by a a fellow Vegas Valleyite, Joe Benitez. The series is called Lady Mechanica. Uh, I think to date, there are five volumes of trade paperbacks in in the whole collected series. Uh, The first two were a bit more lengthy than the following three. Um, I'm still waiting for the sixth one to come out in a a TPB omnibus. Um, I think Benitez has kind of grown and expanded and is taking on other projects. Um, you know, completely new storylines and so forth. But Lady Mechanica has some some plain elements that we've seen before. It's a Victorian steampunk type thing. And she's an amnesiac cyborg who, you know, wakes up with these mechanical limbs and implements and stuff. Doesn't really remember how she got them. And the story overall is her quest to understand her origins and figure out where she came from. I will say that by the end of the fifth one, I was a little bit frustrated that there wasn't a greater amount of progress on that particular front. But overall, each issue, each volume rather, has been very entertaining. And again, the artwork is just breathtaking. It's not just a panel-by-panel thing. Sometimes they will have a two-page spread where the very middle, like centerpiece of it, is Lady Mechanica with these, you know, automatic, mechanical, deployed wings that help her fly. And all the, not necessarily panels, but pieces around it show her, you know, Putting a backpack on and climbing up on some building and jumping off of a zeppelin and then the big spread in the middle, her deploying the wings and then her landing on the top of a skyscraper and entering a a, a ballroom and it's just the progression of art is incredible. The characters are are very vibrant and exciting and uh, I I look forward to each one of them very eagerly. My my favorite issue far and away is one where. Uh, Lady Mechanica, kind of in a side story, needs to go take a break from things going on in England, and she ends up in uh, Mexico, coincidentally during a, a Day of the Dead. So Benitez is able to combine the aesthetics of Victorian steampunk with, um, you know, skeleton masks and, and that whole bit. And just the, the story was really cool, too. I don't want to say anything about that one because it was one of the shorter volumes. So I'm afraid if I say anything, it'll, it'll give it away. So it, it's, it doesn't take a whole lot of time to read. And uh, the, the twist, the surprise of it was really, really cool. So check out Lady Mechanica. That's Mechanica with a, a K-A at the end, not a C-A. And uh, you know, there's, a, there's a couple of different volumes of that one by Joe Benitez. Uh, another one, this is one that I originally got into probably when I was 11 or 12. Uh, it's Bone by Jeff Smith. This one ran for nine collected issues, and um, it's it's uh, it straddles a couple of lines. It it's like on the one side it's very Disney esque with its cartoonishness. Uh, on the other side, it's almost Tolkien esque with its uh, epic fantasy and its and its grimness. Um, basically, there's this village called Boneville. You don't ever really get to see it and the people who live there they're all called bones and they they almost look like old 1930s disney drawings of ghosts but they have you know arms and legs too big cartoonish faces but they're they're short there's phone bone phony bone smiley bone and a couple of others and it starts out with phone phony and smiley getting kicked out of boneville because phony who was rich and who was running for mayor was scamming the people and they ran him out of town and uh, you know one thing leads to another and the bone family they uh, they tumble out of some desert and into a valley and they end up in the middle of a big conflict between a dragon and a rat king but uh, there's so much more to it than that i will say the first couple of you know collected novels uh, were a bit heavier on the whimsy and on the humor and then it got a little bit more grim and serious as it went along, like the the random humor and romance of it kind of disappeared as they were trying to figure out, uh, you know, how to fight this evil power and figuring out the past of of different characters and and whatnot. It's a you know multi generational spans a, an epic space and an epic time, and uh, ends really well. Maybe not necessarily in the way that was expected, but it it does um, you know satisfy a couple of your expectations. Uh, I slowly built up my collection of this over a couple of years. I remember reading the first few issues when I was, like I said, uh, in my early, early teens. And then in my late 20s, I started collecting them and finding the rest of them so I could finish the story. But Bone by Jeff Smith in the first collected edition is called Out from Boneville. Um, I would recommend getting them individually. I know there's a big old paperback omnibus, but none of it's in color. But whereas if you get the uh, individual nine volumes one at a time... Uh, those ones are in color just because it's more expensive to print in color. And uh, that very much enhances the experience. Uh, Ruin World by Derek Lauffman. Um I follow him on Instagram. You should too. D-E-R-E-K-L-A-U-F-M-A-N. Um, he's got his own unique style. He's drawn for a bunch of the big properties and companies. He's drawn for Marvel and for DC and yada yada else does his own stories and this is one of them Um, effectively it's kind of like a tabletop role playing game story where you're in this world that i mean think of tolkien's the easiest comparison uh, especially think of the first movie how often the the fellowship was wandering through ruins of previous societies and they'd they'd find you know a, a castle to walk through and so on and so forth Imagine a world like that, a little bit more cartoonish, and the characters are obsessed with entering these old ruins because they're all full of relics, like in a video game. You can open a treasure chest, you can find something valuable or powerful, uh, and all the characters are animals, you know, a fox, a fish, a lizard, uh, bugs, things like that. Uh, bad guys are, you know, big wolves and coyotes and stuff. and. Uh, there's a there's a power that somebody unlocked and people are double-crossing each other I mean the, the story is strong even without the art like if you were to just read it like okay, this would be entertaining But with the art it just takes it to a, Another level Derek Laufman is really really good at that I'm, I'm gonna spend some capital investing in in getting more of his books into my library Um You can order them directly from his website, or he's got a couple of them on it on Amazon. But definitely check out his Instagram to get a feel for his particular flavor of illustration. Um, The last one I want to plug here is called uh, Farmhand by Rob Guillory. Uh, This is one that I heard about on a YouTube channel, and uh, I decided to check it out from the library. And it was fascinating and uh, borderline grotesque. Uh, just because of of what it's dealing with. But basically there's this small town agricultural slash medicinal company that has found a way to grow human organs and body parts on plants out of the ground. And then you you can harvest them and attach them to people who need you know organ and limb transplants and the, you know, the, the plant the transplant uh, adapts to your unique physiology so you know say you had an amputation or you know liver failure or cancer or something like that like you can grow replacement body parts um obviously this is going to be a, a booming industry obviously there are going to be uh you know some legal complications some moral ramifications there was a twist at the end of the first volume that i was like oh holy crap Really gnarly. Um, the artwork was was done really well. Uh, again, I feel like I'm overusing the word "cartoonish." It wasn't like drawn to be, uh, you know, anatomically accurate, human accurate. I guess it w- it was drawn to have more of the feel of of a cartoon, but not necessarily in the sense to cut corners, just to give the world a, a feel that was a few steps removed from our own, while still giving us. You know, characters that were obviously human, except for the ones that had you know, green limbs or something because they'd grafted something off of a tree. So check out Farmhand by Rob Guillory. And that'll do it for this week's episode. That's plenty of graphic novels for you guys to look into. Uh, most of these are ones that I own personally um, or just that I would heartily recommend because the story is strong, the characters are good, and the artwork is stupendous, and those are all things that I admire as a, an author-illustrator, yeah, as, a, as a creative hybrid. So uh, enjoy those. Drop me a message. Let me know what you think. Um, I am currently saving the remainder of Mailbag for, uh, for the next couple of episodes. Uh, we been getting some good questions in, and uh, I think I'll just do uh, a super one because I, I feel like the Mailbag tends to lead to me just kind of going off about one subject or another, you know, hopefully at least tangentially related to the question asked. But um, I, I like getting into certain themes and ideas and realizing like, oh, well, you know, here's a book that you could read that would illustrate this point. You know, I, I feel like that's really in the spirit of this podcast. So I'm saving those for kind of a super episode at the end, but still drop me a line at dreadpennies at gmail.com or uh, on Instagram or Twitter, at DreadPennies. Slide into my DMs and and let me know what you think. Till then, drive safe. See you out there.